We ain't all been perfect, but God has never given up on us. And every time I hear that song, I think about it's it's hard to hear that song and not think about all your mess ups. But I have to caution you that when you think about those mess ups, think about how God delivered you. Because the end of the story is not that you messed up. The end of the story is that God kept you. Amen. Amen. And so this morning, uh, I'm going to jump right into kind of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Um, You know, Pastor Shun spent probably, uh, I don't know what, four or five weeks, maybe six, kind of talking to us about the whole thinking, feeling cycle. Amen. And, and I, don't, I don't know about you, but I didn't, had a, I didn't had a chance to practice that. Amen. Anybody else had a chance to practice thinking, feeling cycle? And, and, and even if you ain't been perfect at it, how many know the more you practice, the better you get? And so she started talking about that. And then a couple weeks ago, I shared with you uh, a word that the Lord gave us. Uh, I told you I was on a plane and uh, was just meditating. And God began to speak to me about what he wanted to do. For uh, And I say this, he, he began to talk to me about what he wanted to do in my life. And as he began to talk to me about that, then we began to talk about how that affects fellowship of champions. And so one Sunday I shared with you the word that the Lord shared with me, and it seemed to resonate with a lot of other people. And so because of that, we've kind of uh, adopted this word, some of us, for our life. Amen. And one of the things we started saying back in November and December, we said that 2019 was going to be the best year of our life so far. Amen. And uh, I don't know if you follow her on Facebook, but one of our partners, um, Misty Jackson, she's not she's not here today. They're on vacation because she's going to have to have some surgery uh, the following weeks. But she made a, a, a she wrote something on her Facebook page the other day that I thought was really inspiring. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go and read it. I'm just going to paraphrase it. And what she said was, is that in December, November, December, she had received that word that this was going to be her best year yet. And then in January of this year, she received a diagnosis that she had stage three breast cancer. And she talked about how her struggle was, how is this going to be my best year? And then I get a report like that. And I think if we're all honest, we can all say, that a lot of us would have struggled with receiving a word from the doctor like that after receiving a word from the church like this. But how many know that when God says something, it ain't never a mistake? And so if you go ahead and you read her post, you find out that she talked about how she, she, had, to, she had to rely on everything that she had learned about God to get through that situation. And she began to say that even though the doctor's prognosis was one thing, that she began to talk about what God had already promised her. And one of the things she said is that she had already saw herself. Now watch this, being old with her husband and her child. Why is that powerful? Because when God gives you a vision of your future, you don't ever have to forfeit what God has already shown you. So the thing that caused her to hold on to what God has said is what God had already showed her. And so when they started singing that song this morning about God being so faithful, I want to encourage you to really take a moment and think about what, the th- what it is that God has shown you in your future. And then whatever it is in your future that has come to try to take that away from you, I want you to just hold on to it and just see it in your life and don't even allow the enemy to talk you out of it. Amen. So here's what I need you to do. Let's take a shift for just a moment. And we're going to pray for Kedron for just a moment. Okay? So dear Heavenly Father, we pray for Kedron right now. We pray for his life. We pray for his well-being. We pray for his health. We pray for everything that's going on in his body. And Father, we declare that you are a healer. That you are, you, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the one who heals. You are El Elyon, you are the God most high. There is none better than you, none more superior than you. And so, Father, we come and we don't we don't ask that you do it. We thank you that you've done it. 
We thank you that you've healed his body. We thank you that even the, even the EMTs, we thank you that the doctors, we thank you that everybody who is going to look at him and tend to him, you've already given them the answers. You've already told them what they need to do. And we declare in Jesus' name that the report is already a good report. And we declare it in the name of Jesus. We receive it now. And every believer who believes that says, thank God and amen. Amen. Well, come on and give the Lord some praise. Listen, uh, just, just so that no one's panicked, uh, they, they, have, they have called the, uh, the paramedics to just come see about him. Keegan wasn't feeling well, and so they're going to check on him. We, we don't allow fear to come into our life when things happen, amen? And, and in fact, you know, it's, 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 one of, and it's a teaching moment, so let me, let me pause and, and, and say this. There's a scripture in the Bible, and the Bible talks about that when Jesus came to heal this man's son. As Jesus came to heal the man's son, all of his disciples couldn't heal him. And so they brought them into Jesus and they said, hey, if you, if you can do anything, because your disciples couldn't do much, but if you can do anything, heal my son. Jesus called the demonic spirit out of the man, but the Bible says that before that demonic spirit left, he took the man, threw him to the ground, made him start foaming at the mouth. Jesus was not moved. And he was not moved because what he had already said was already established. So I'm saying the same thing to you today. We love Kedron. We are concerned about Kedron, but we're not moved by what physical things are manifesting in his body because what God said about him is already done. And so we're going to all we're going to let the professionals do their job. I'm going to do mine. You're going to do yours and receive. And then we're all going to see about him. Amen. Amen. So let's get into this word this morning. I want to go to Psalms 119. Psalms 119.89, because the word that God has declared. It's still the word that God has declared. Psalms 119, verse 89 through 96. It is a bold declaration of an unequivocal, never-ending power of God's words and his ability to see them through. We have been, we, we're going to stay right here in this word, what God has for us for the remainder of this year. I told you a couple weeks ago that I encouraged you to spend time reading this scripture and then reading the word of the Lord that, we, that I gave to you. And so those of you that haven't gotten into it yet, I'm going to read it again this morning. For those of you who have, this should just be joy for you. Amen. Psalms 119, 89 through 96, it says, Standing firm in the heavens and fastened to eternity is the word of God. Your faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. All that you created sits firmly in place to testify of you. Lord, by your decree, watch this, everything stands at attention. For all that you have made serves you. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. That, includes that includes me. me. He says, because your words are my deepest delight. I didn't give up when all else looked lost. I can never forget the profound revelations that you've taught me, for they have kept me alive more than once. Lord, I'm all yours, and you are my Savior. I have sought to live my life pleasing to you. Even, th even though evil men wait in ambush to kill me, I will set my heart before you to understand more of you, the more of your ways. Verse 96 says, I have learned that there is nothing Perfect. One translation says nobody, nothing human is perfect. That in humanity, nothing is perfect. He says, I've learned that there is nothing perfect in this imperfect world except your words. For they bring such fantastic freedom into my life. How many of you know that when you grab hold to the word of God and you receive it as word for your life, there's a freedom that comes with it. And one of the things that we've been talking about on this, this, these last couple of weeks is about how, how do we live in this freedom? And Pastor Sean started off a couple of weeks ago talking about that we got to first learn to live free in our minds by, through the access of that thinking, feeling cycle. Amen? And what happens is once we, once we get free in our minds, now we're able to receive what God has for us. And so 
God began to say for us that it was promotion time. And I came and I declared to you what God had said and we received it. And then afterwards, I got to thinking about that. And God says, yes, it is promotion time. The problem is that most people don't prepare for when the promotion comes. And so this morning, I want to take just a moment to you, uh, just a moment, and I want to talk to you about how do we prepare for promotion? Because it's one thing to shout about it. It's another thing to be ready for it. And so this morning, I, w- I want to share with you just a couple of uh, a quotes, just a couple of quotes that, 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 I, that, that I love and I have and I, and I use from time to time in, in just talking about some of the things that, that we have to do in order to prepare. And so, Caleb, if you can pull up uh, the thing that says preparing, uh, the preparation quotes. I want you to just look at it. There's about seven or eight of these. And this may be all we talk about today, but I want you to see this because if you don't prepare for promotion, then, then it's really hard for you to even know when promotion comes. The first one, go ahead and pull the first one up. It says, I don't believe in luck. I believe in preparation. The problem with the church is the church has kind of lived in this thing where we say, you know what, God's going to do it. And we just sit back and wait for God to do it. But how many of you know that God has literally God in Jesus said in his word, he says it is finished. So if God has already done everything he needs to do, who do you think needs to do the rest? We do. Next quote. It says success is when preparation meets opportunity. Many people want God to give them opportunity. But the problem is you're not prepared for when the opportunity comes. You want God to promote you on the job. You want God to introduce you to your lifelong partner. You want God to do something for your kids. You want God to do this. You want God to do that. My question is, how are you preparing to receive it? Because just saying you receive something is not the same thing as receiving it. If you say, God, I want a car, one of the first things you need is a driver's license. Because if you don't have a driver's license, guess what? The car doesn't do you any good. You say, God, I want a promotion on my job. I want to be a leader. And God gives you the promotion, but you don't have the leadership skills necessary to lead in the position. You're not just hurting you. You're hurting other people. So success is where preparation and opportunity meet. The next one. There are no secrets to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from your failures. In life, you are going to blow it sometimes. The question is not whether you're going to blow it. The question is what you're going to do after you blow it. Are you going to use that opportunity to learn from it so that you can do something different the next time that you encounter that situation? Here's what I love about God. He'll let you go through third grade as many times as you need to. Because how many of you know that in third grade, at least in education right now, they're calling that the gateway, the, the gateway class. If you don't pass the third grade reading test, you don't get to pass to the fourth grade. And God's kind of like that. No matter how many times you need to go through the same class, he'll keep letting you go through it until you learn something. But how many know you don't have to be a third grader nine times? You can learn what you didn't learn the first time and make the adjustment and go on and get promoted. Amen. Next quote. It says, before anything else, preparation is the key to success. Anybody who knows me knows I love my seven P's. My seven P's is something that I learned early on, probably about sixth or seventh grade, and I live by it. And it says, prior proper planning permits, prior proper planning prevents pitiful poor performance. I have eight, but I didn't say the other one. Y'all get that when y'all get home. If you don't prepare, you can't expect to succeed. If, if, Think about it. You make preparation for everything that you do that you do that's not average. This is not average. I got a quote about that. Let's go. Keep going. Prepare for success because if you don't, you're going to live a life of what? If you live your life and allow things just to happen, Basically, you're going to come because it's the law of averages, right? We ain't got to get into all the math of it, but everything operates on a bell-shaped curve, right? What's in the middle? Average. You don't want to be average. You want to be an outlier. And you don't want to be an outlier on this side. You want to be an outlier on this side. You want to live a successful life. But if you don't prepare, you will live a life of mediocrity. And watch this. You will blame God for it. 
You'll blame God for it. God's telling you you can go back to school, but you're afraid to go back to school, so you don't go back to school, and then you blame God because you couldn't get the job that required you to have a degree. But the whole time, God said, I'll do it for you. So if you don't understand that, then you're going to end up living this life of mediocrity. Next quote. It's not the will to win that matters. Everybody has that. It's the will to prepare to win that matters. Listen, how many of y'all want to be successful? Everybody? Most people don't wake up and go, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a failure. <laughs> you ask little kids in school what they want to be. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a, a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. And you all look at that one little kid. I want to be a dinosaur. But even in being a dinosaur, they want to dominate. They want to win. Nobody says, oh, I just want to be average. I just want to be a loser. I just want to be a person who loses all the time. Losing is bomb. Nobody does that. But if you don't take the time to prepare, that's exactly what will happen to your life. Amen? Come on, give me one more. Our confidence comes from our preparation. People ask me sometimes, they say, well, why do you seem so confident? I'm not confident in me. I'm confident in what God said to me. And you have to know that's a difference. It is a difference in being confident in what God has said to you and you being confident in what you have conjured up. There is a major difference. My confidence comes from the preparation. Have you ever, and I know you have, you ever been in, in, in class, in college or whatever, high school, junior high, elementary, whatever, and you have prepared for the test? We was laughing. We were in Soul Shift yesterday, and Pastor Sean had people take out a piece of paper and fold it in half. And one of the things he said, he said, like when you used to take spelling tests. I got all nervous. Why? Because I didn't used to study for spelling tests. Well, y'all know how that turned out. If you don't, if, 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 you, if your kid has spelling words and they don't practice those spelling words, you think they're going to be successful on the test? Most kids are not. But you ever had to go take a test where you knew you had prepared? You walked into the room different. Amen. You, approached the, you, you approached the test different. Sometimes you were so prepared, you got done with the test before everybody else and had to look around and make sure you weren't doing something wrong. Because you was prepared and they weren't. And the truth of the matter is the same thing that it goes with walking with God. Your confidence comes from your preparation. Most Somebody asked me yesterday, how do you know what God said? I read his word. If you want to know what God says, you have to spend time reading the word. It's what causes your confidence to propel. Next one. What we prepare for is what we get. Now, now that's a tough one because you have to ask yourself, okay, what I currently have, is it what I prepared for? Let me help you. Don't lie to yourself. It is. <laughs> it is. Don't try to rationalize. Be like, well, no, it ain't really. Pay. No, it is. You, ha you have what you have been preparing for. And if you don't like what you have, prepare for something different. Find a way to prepare for something other than what you currently have. Because whatever you prepare for is what you're going to get. Next one. By failing to prepare, you are actually preparing. But you're preparing to fail. If you get in your car and you decide you're going to Florida and you head toward Texas, you're going to drive somewhere. You, have, you might even get to a place you like. What I can guarantee you is that you won't get to Florida. And that's the problem in Christendom sometimes. We don't prepare. We hear God says, I'm going to do this for you. And we're like, OK, just do it however you want to do it. And that's not what God is saying. God is saying, I have a path for you. Yes. And in order to know the path, you have to prepare for the journey. Because watch this, there's a difference in taking a path through a desert. The materials you need to go on a path through the desert is different than the materials you need to go through the Amazon. Yes. So you got to know what terrain God is getting ready to take you through. Come on, that's so that you understand what you're preparing for. Because your preparation is going to determine your success. And if you fail to prepare, you are in essence preparing to fail. Next one. I love this. This is one of our last quotes. It says, give me six hours to chop down a tree. I'm going to spend the first four sharpening the axe. Now someone says, well, why, why would you spend the first four hours just sharpening the axe? 
because it's going to make those last two hours go so much faster. What the church needs to learn to do is sharpen the axe. God says, hey, you're going to take this mountain. We just start chopping at the mountain. You just swing away with a dull axe, a dull pick, whatever it is. When in reality, if you stop and pause and find out how God wants you to do a task, who God wants to put on your team to do the task, where God wants you to do the task, and how he wants you to speak about the task, you would be spending those first four hours just sharpening the saw, and I guarantee you, you wouldn't even need the last two. So we got to get to this place where we are preparing to receive what God has for us. Amen. And as we begin to prepare to receive what God has for us, then we get prepared for promotion. So, Caleb, if you'll pull up the word that we've been sharing the last couple of weeks, I want to read through it real quick. And then I want to just give you uh, eight things that you need to check for in your life to make sure you're preparing for promotion. It'll go pretty quick. So here's what the Lord said to us a couple of weeks ago. Again, it's on, our web, it's on the Facebook page. If you haven't been reading it, I encourage you to do it. Somebody said, well, Pastor, why do you keep saying that? When you keep reading it, you put it in your eye gate and you put it in your ear gate. You know, the reason you can quote a song that's played on the radio is because they inundate you with the radio. They inundate you with the radio. I, no joke. We had to drive to Florida. That was like 17 hours. And in 17 hours, they played that song imported 1,700 times. I know the words to import it. I wasn't even trying to. But if you hear something 1,700 times, you will learn it. You will learn it. You'll be like, it's a stupid song. Why are you singing the song? You ever had somebody sing? That? I, I, I won't even do y'all like that. I won't even say the song. Yes, I will. Y'all ever heard that song, Let It Go? By that Frozen song? See, it, it just, people are like, no, no, no. And then before you know it, you're singing the song. Why? Because when you hear something over and over and over, it gets into your brain. It gets into your subconscious. And then if you hear a beat that sounds like Frozen, you holler and let it go. We've got to learn that when God says something to us, we play it like they do on Sirius Satellite Radio. That only got about 12 songs. <laughs> if you ever listen to the radio for a couple of hours, they only got about 12 songs they play. Every now and then they slip something else, they can over old school, but the rest of the time it's just them 12 songs. And they play them over and over and over and over. And even a song that people didn't like at first becomes a song that people like. You wonder how songs climb up the park chart? It ain't just because somebody heard and everybody like it. No, people probably didn't like it at first, but then they just kept playing it and kept playing it and kept playing it and kept playing it. You may not like what God is saying to you at first, but if you just keep hearing it long enough, I am telling you that you will begin to like what God is saying to you. So it says, over the course of the rest of this year, praise the Lord, you are going to see that I am beginning to open up the eyes of your understanding. He says, and as I do, you will see all the things that the enemy has veiled. For I have taken off the veil and the things that you have been dreaming about, you will see. He then says, and my word that you attend to hear, the word that you attend to hear, that word attend means to listen to, to understand and then to do. He says, so any word that you attend to hear, he says, you will hear it. And here's the problem. You got to make sure which word you are attending to, because if you attend to his word, his will will come to pass. But if you attend to another word, that will will come to pass. He says in this season, whatever you attend to is what's going to come to pass. So be careful what you're attending to. He says, and you will go forth in my strength, says the Lord, for I have spoken my word about you and heaven has already recorded it. Somebody ought to give God some praise for that. So we ain't trying to convince heaven about what God wants to do for us. Heaven has already recorded it. It's like a title deed. It belongs to us. He says, it is so. It shall not return void. And as you go forth in this supernatural year of breakthrough, 
He says, I've already gone before you. Watch this. I have already made every crooked place straight. Glory. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. We're, talking we're talking about sweatless, sweatless. victories. Victory. I'm talking about some, some victories you ain't got to fight for. Yeah. There's some stuff that's just going to come your way in this year. The next six months, there are going to be things that you don't even understand how you got them, but it's because heaven's already recorded them for you. He says, I've already gone before you and made the crooked place straight, and I have already released the angels of the Lord to go and fight for you. That means obstacles that are in your way are being removed, not because you've got to fight for them, but because God's already put angels in charge to do it. He says, they will fight and your adversaries will be no more. For what you have seen in my word, because of your faith, you will see in your life. Because of your faith, you will see in your life. Not just because the pastor said it, but because of your faith. Not just because it sounded good, but because of your faith. Not just because you went back to school, but because of your not even though you got a new job and got new money and got new promotion and got new things. It won't be because of that, but it will be because of your faith that you will see it. In fact, because of your faith, you can see it before you see it. Because of your faith, you can give God praise for the healing before the doctors ever tell you that you're healed. Because of your faith, you can go ahead and shout about the new house before the mortgage company ever tells you you're qualified. Because of your faith, you can declare that your children who are not saved are already saved and living for the Lord before they ever start coming to church. Because of your faith. He says, and what you see, you can have because why? I, the Lord, has already declared it. Amen. Somebody go ahead and give the Lord some praise this morning. Amen. So then my job, as I talk to the Lord, I say, okay, God, then what is, what is my job? What am, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to help the people at Fellowship of Champions prepare for this promotion you're talking about? Well, there's a couple of scriptures, and we don't have to go to them, but one of them we, we read the other week is in Isaiah, and it says this. It says, arise and shine, for your light has what? Already come forth. Your light has already come forth. So if our light has already come forth, we have to have the right mindset to believe that whatever it is that God has for us has already been done. Amen. Amen. So I want to give you eight. I don't even want to call them steps. I want to give you uh, eight look fors because if you are going to get promoted in your life, I have learned through trial and error that these are some things that you need to be checking for yourself. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. This message, this message is not, is not for, me for me to check on you. Check on Say, it is, it is for, me. for me. Yeah, yeah, this message ain't for you to check on your neighbor. It ain't to be talking about, oh, I wonder if you do that. No, no, no. This next eight things I'm going to talk about are things you need to find out where you are. You need to locate yourself in this. And if you locate yourself in this and you come up lacking, you can make the change. Amen. So number one, the one thing you need to be doing if you are going to be preparing for promotion, number one, you need to be speaking God's word. Amen. You need to be speaking God's word. You can never say enough of what God has said to you. And if you got friends who are tired of you hearing what you say God has said, get you some new friends. If you got people who get tired of hearing you say, hey, God is doing this in my life. God has told me he's going to heal me. God's told me he's going to save me. God's told me promotion is coming. God told me to go back to school. God told me my marriage is going to work out. God told me I'm going to get this. God told me I'm going to get that. God told me I'm going to be a blessing to so-and-so. If people get tired of hearing you talk about what God said to you, find you a new crew. Because you cannot exhaust speaking what God says to you. The Bible says uh, in Romans 4.17, it says, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. You got to speak God's word because if you're not speaking God's word, you're speaking your current reality. 
And if you speak your current reality, the only thing you can produce more of is your current reality. So when you get paid, stop talking about how when you get paid, you already broke. Because God didn't say that. God didn't say when you get paid, you already broke. In fact, God says he has cattle on 10,000 heels. In fact, our confession is we have more than enough. In fact, we say our storehouses are full. Now, the difference is, is that when we say that, we're saying what God said. So even if our current reality doesn't look like it, we're pushing our current reality toward what God said. But if you're only saying what you see, that's where you're going to live. So number one, you got to speak God's word. Number two, if you're going to prepare for promotion, you have to have faith in the finished work of Jesus. You have to have faith in the finished work of Jesus. You have to believe with everything that is in you that when God speaks a word to you, he is big enough, watch this, and bad enough to bring it to pass. That means that whatever the devil says to you, God ain't moved. Doctor diagnoses you with some kind of sickness, some kind of illness, and God says he's going to heal you. And the devil says, well, you know so-and-so had that, and they died from it. Statistics say you ain't got but a 13% chance. Listen, you don't even need a percent chance when you're talking about God. He is the God of the impossible. If you get diagnosed with something that everybody in the world died from, God can still save you. But you got to have faith in that finished work. You got to have the kind of faith that reassures us or reassures you that we do not have to try to get God to do what has already been done. God makes you a promise. You ain't got to be like, well, I got to fast six weeks to bring it to pass. You didn't make the promise. God made the promise. Did God tell you to fast for six weeks? And so many times what happens is God makes us a promise. And what we do is we jump into performance. And God's not asking you to perform. You couldn't perform enough for God. If you was the best performer, you couldn't perform enough for God. So the reality is when God gives me a word, my only question is, God, how do you want me to proceed? You know, even when we talk about giving, which we're going to talk about in a second, even then, you got to be careful not to be trying to give out a performance. When the Lord asks you to do something, just do what he said. If you don't know what he said, ask him. The Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord and the Lord would give it to him liberally and unabraded. Means he'll give you more than what you asked for. So number two, you got to have faith in the finished work of Jesus. Number three, if you're going to be preparing for promotion, you got to prime your prayer life. You got to prime your prayer life. Prayer is that thing that a lot of us fall back on when we done tried everything else. But that ain't how prayer should work. Prayer should not be your afterthought. It should be a forethought. And if you find in your life that you are not spending quality time with God, I encourage you to make the correction. It's great to get on Tuesday night prayer, but it's six other days in the week. It is six other days in the week, and you should not be advocating. You, you should not be uh, getting rid of this idea that, well, I prayed on Tuesday. And the truth of the matter is we're saying amen on Tuesday. <laughs> because there ain't about three or four people who actually pray on Tuesday on the thing. So the reality of it is you've got to make, make sure that you are spending time praying. Now, this is a controversial thing for some people, but we talk about it here. You also need to be spending time praying in the Holy Spirit. You just do. You just do. People are like, well, I don't understand it. That don't mean you don't do it. You don't understand how a combustion engine works, but you drive a car. So because you don't understand something don't mean you don't do it. So you need, you need to be praying in your earthly language, yes. But those of you that are filled with the Holy Spirit need to be spending time cultivating praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in tongues, if you don't know what I'm saying. Why? Because the Bible says that when we pray in the spirit, we release the mysteries over our life. There are some things that you don't know what to pray for. You don't know how to pray for them and you don't even know when to pray for them. But the Bible says that when you pray in the spirit, the spirit makes intercession for us. That literally what we can't understand in our own natural mind, our spirit man is able to be in tune with God and that God in our spirit talks and the mysteries get released to us.
Somebody said, well, that's just a hard thing to believe. But yet you believe that a woman never had sex and gave birth to a baby. And that baby came and saved the whole world. And that when you leave here, you're going somewhere. But you don't believe in praying in tongues. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, believing is a choice. That's all it is. Believing is a choice. I choose to believe what the word says. And the word says that I have an advantage over other people when I pray in the spirit. And so since I have an advantage and in the advantage is what causes you to win. And since we just learned preparation is the thing that causes us to win. I'm going to prepare for my success by praying in the spirit. Number four, if you're going to prepare for promotion, you have to learn to develop patience. You have to learn to develop patience. And let me tell you that patience is not this idea of sitting around and just waiting on the Lord to do something for you. It is not just sitting around and a hoping and a wishing and a praying that something's going to come your way. That is not what that word means. That word patience in the Bible is the same word translated as consistency. You need to build consistency. If you're going to be able to be successful in every endeavor God gave you, you've got to learn to be consistent. One of the things that, it, it, and I, have, I don't want to use this language because it's bad language. I'm going to say it so you understand. It drives me crazy. It doesn't drive me crazy. But I do not like it when people, when I, when I see mature believers who are supposed to have developed some consistency, let every little thing come and knock them off track in terms of their ability to communicate and commune with God. You're supposed to be mature in Christ and you mad at somebody at church so you don't come to church for six weeks. What's wrong with you? No, what's wrong with you? You believe in God was going to give you promotion and they picked somebody else so now you're mad at God. You wouldn't have a job you had if it wasn't for God. Forget about the promotion. You wouldn't have this one. And, and, and what we've got to learn to do is we've got to learn to be consistent that we love and trust God no matter what is going on. Whether it's going, Paul said like this. Paul said, I have learned to be either, whether I abound or whether I'm abased, I am always going to be praising the Lord. You know, you, 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 can, you can tell, and you have to work at this, but you can tell the folk who had a good weekend before they come to church on Sunday. Because they had a good weekend and they come in and they say, praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean, they praise dancing. But let them have a funky weekend. Praise the Lord. Come on, y'all, lift your hands. You can allow the outside world to dictate how you respond to God. He's the same God regardless to what's going on in your life. He's the same God. And a sign of maturity is when I respond to God regardless of what's happening on the outside of me. Because God is the consistent. The Bible says he's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. If God is consistent, then I got to be consistent. The biblical definition of this word is not like the worldly definitions, which means to put up with. We ain't talking about putting up with something. We're talking about being consistent. It's why James chapter one, verse four says, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. Why? Because what does patience do? Patience makes you realize what's inside of you. Because the truth of the matter is, if you want something from God and you ask him for it and he gives it to you right now, we don't know whether you have any consistency or not. There are times my kids ask me for stuff. And my wife would tell you, I know I'm going to do it. When they ask. But if they get a bad attitude that I don't do it when they ask, it never shortens the time. I'm going to let y'all think on that. Will you take us to McDonald's? Sure. 30 minutes later, are you going to take us? Mm-hmm. An hour later, are you sure? Mm-hmm. When you change that attitude 
and become grateful, then we'll do it. I want to see you develop some consistency. I was telling somebody yesterday, we think we have consistency. We don't know what consistency is. God told Noah, build an ark. An ark? What's that? Don't worry about it. I'll give you the measurements. It's going to rain. Rain? What's rain? It had never rained before. you like, well, yeah, I know rain is. Yeah, but they didn't. The Bible says that everything was watered and cared for from underneath. Okay, cool. He built the ark. I'm sure that first year he was pretty crunk. It's gold rain, it's gold rain. That tenth year? That fiftieth year? It hit a century. He been building for a hundred years. See, you because when y'all read the Bible, y'all don't read the Bible. But when you read the Bible, you gotta read the Bible. Those were people just like we people. Which means they had to have some petty people back then, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Petty didn't just start with the invention of Facebook. No, no, no. People been petty forever. So some of my cousins was the ones out there saying to Noah, I thought you said it's going to rain. You idiot. What are you doing? Just talking about him and laughing at him. 100 years went by. 110 years went by. 120 years went by, 125 years went by, but oh, before they got to year 126, the skies opened up, and everybody who thought Noah was a fool was banging on that ark. And the Bible says that the only people that were saved was Noah and his family. Pastor, why are you telling us this? Because consistency will save you and your family. Consistency will save you and it'll save your family. Folks will try to talk you out of what God said and if you let them talk you out of it, your next generation will live just like you. But if you will hang in there and you will do what God said and you will stick with God, it won't just change your life, it'll change your kid's life and your kid's kid's life. And everybody will be living different all because you developed some consistency. Tell your neighbor, so you got to be consistent. Number five, if you're going to get prepared for promotion, number five, you got to learn to be a giver. You got to learn to be a giver. Say amen to that. You got to learn to be a giver. Givers always prosper. Givers always prosper. You find someone who is a giver, I don't care if they're a Christian, if they're a Buddhist, if they're an atheist, if they're agnostic, but you find somebody who taps into the principle and the revelation of giving, you're going to see they reciprocated in their life. Giving is not a blessing just to Christians. It's not. It's just not. It's great to be a Christian, I believe, but you don't have to be a Christian to tap into the principle of giving. Gravity does not say, oh, you're a Christian. Well, you can jump from the Empire State Building. I'm going to let you land safely. <laughs> Gravity doesn't care about your religion. Gravity doesn't care about your race. It doesn't care about your gender. It doesn't care about your age. It doesn't care about your occupation. Gravity has one job. Get down here. And if you violate that principle, there are consequences to it. The same thing is true when it comes to giving. If you violate the principle of giving, there are consequences to it. There are people who are broke because they're stingy, not because they don't have enough. How do I know? Because I know people who made $20,000 and they said it wasn't enough. And then they got a promotion and made $40,000 and they said it wasn't enough. And then they got a promotion and made $100,000 and they said it wasn't enough. And then they got $150,000 and they still live like they did when they had $20,000. You don't have a money issue. You have a soul issue. You have a soul issue. You can't receive with a closed hand. You, 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 you say, God, bless me financially. He like, open up your hands. Open up your hands. But I can't because if I open them up, something might come out. He said, that's the whole principle. You got to sow seed in order to receive harvest. The Bible talks about this in Luke 6, 38. 
In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, he tells us to give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosoms. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Some of you wonder why things happen to you in small measure. You give in small measure. And I don't mean amount. I don't mean amount. I mean you give in small measure. Meaning you don't look for opportunities to be a blessing. What you look for is an opportunity for somebody to give to you. One of the greatest revelations I ever had is that it really is more blessed to give than to receive. It really is. And you have to understand the mindset behind it. If I have it to give, I'm already blessed. So it is more blessed to have it to give than just to always be needing someone to give it to me. Years ago, we, we developed this saying, it was, Lord, make me the man. Make me the man. If somebody got to be somebody, if somebody got to give to somebody, let me be the one to do it. Let me be the water hose if the water flows through. Because if you're the water hose and water flows through, you going to get wet. Some of you got to get over the fear of giving. And just because, watch this, I say this all the time, just because somebody did something wrong with the money ain't got nothing to do with you giving. Have preachers abused it? Absolutely. Have preachers stolen it? Absolutely. Have they conned people? Absolutely. But that ain't got nothing to do with you if you obey God. I say it all the time. If somebody, the Lord tells me to give and I give it to you and you set it on fire, it has nothing to do with me. That's a felony offense. But besides that... <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But besides that, once I have released it, it's gone. I tell people all the time, people who are concerned about what somebody does with the money once you give it, you never let it go. You can't manage what's no longer yours. So you give and then you see somebody with something and you go, well, I gave him $20 and now I see them at the mall. They ain't got nothing to do with you. Did you obey God in your giving? Because if you obey God and you're giving, it's no longer yours. And what's yours is the harvest of it, not the remnant that you gave. So if you're going to prepare for promotion, you got to check yourself where your giving is concerned. I'm not talking about just giving at church. I'm talking about whenever you're out somewhere and God tells you to give. I got a, I got, I got a friend of mine. He says, you know, I don't give to people on the street because they live better than we do. Listen. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you that if the Lord tells me to give them $5, I'm giving them $5. I don't care if they're driving the bins. Because I don't answer to them. I answer to God. And you got to be careful being so smart. Being so intelligent that you can think everything. Sometimes you don't know why God might have you do something. You might give them $5 and it may be an opportunity for God to prick their heart and tell them, get off that street corner. You know better than that. But you don't know. But you think you know. And because you think you know, you act on what you do, but then that's all you can get is what you can produce. So number five, you got to get your giving in order. Number six, this may seem strange to some of y'all, but if you're going to prepare for promotion, one of the things you got to learn how to do is rest. R-E, I said it's R-E-S-T. Some of y'all are going so fast at everything. You can't even hear God. Every time somebody asks you to do something, every time somebody asks you to go somewhere, every time there's a, an event, some of y'all need to quit going to so many events and just rest. Sit down somewhere. Get your body in order. What good does it do for you to be full of prophetic word and you sick in the hospital? I mean, exactly. You do running around doing all kinds of stuff and your family falling apart. She telling the truth. You need to learn to rest. And rest doesn't mean inactivity. Sometimes your rest is, I need to spend some time with the Lord. I don't have time to be out this Saturday night. Me and God got some stuff to talk about. I've been busy all week. I ain't got to go to the amp this week. I've been, I've been ripping and running. I ain't spent the quality time with God. I need to rest and get that. It's on Netflix. I'll catch it later. It ain't going nowhere. I can watch it later. You just need to learn how to rest. We do not have to understand God's intellect 
in order to know it's superior to ours. If Pastor says this all the time, and it's something she's really helped me with, your body gives you clues. If you will listen to it, you're, somebody said, well, this ain't spiritual. Yes, it is, because you live in a body. And if you don't take care of this body, this spirit going to go somewhere else. <laughs> no, I see it. It's going it's to leave here. It's going to leave. It's going to be like, oh, this place is broke. We out. So it's important that you take care of this physical body so that your spirit has a place to be in so that you get a chance to carry out the assignment of God on your life. So you got to learn how to rest. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct our path. Some of you, you need to rest because you need to quit trying to figure it out and just ask God. Some of you can't rest because you're stressed. You can't rest because you stress because you spend all of your time trying to figure everything out based on your intellect, on your networks, what you can Google, what you can find from school. And some of you just need to stop asking all that mess because none of them know exactly what your situation is. You need to pause, lay down, take a nap and ask God to speak to you in your dreams. Some of the best revelation I ever got was when I was asleep. Parenthetically insert, I ain't telling you to sleep your life away. The Bible says he that sleeps a lot leads to slumber. So I ain't talking about you being like, oh, pastor said just, no, no, no. I'm saying you got to find the time to calm your body down. When you sleep, your body heals itself. It's when you, when you get into REM sleep, it's when your cells get to regenerate. And some of you are so busy and you go, go, go so much, you don't realize what damage you're doing to your body because you're young. But watch this, it will catch up with you when you get older. It'll catch up with you. So you got to make sure that you're resting properly, amen? Number seven, this is a powerful one. If you're going to be preparing for a promotion, you got to check your love walk. You got to check your love walk. One of, the, one of the sneakiest things that the devil will do is he will try to cause discontent between people you are the closest to. Because he understands that if somebody on the street does something to you, you don't really care that much about that. But if somebody you close to do something that harms you, injures you, causes you trauma, causes you to distrust, now he can get you to turn your love off. And if he gets you to turn your love off, he can get fear to come into your life. If he can get fear to come into your life, he can get doubt to come into your life. And the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He said, let him not think he shall receive anything from the Lord. The devil ain't got no new tricks. He do the same thing over and over again. He's actually really stupid. He just does the same things over and over again. The problem is we just keep falling for some of that stupid stuff. So you got to guard your love wall. I, 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 I praise God that I'm placing my life where I have no ill intent toward anybody. That ain't always been the case. I was a record keeper. <laughs> I ain't the only one. I was a record keeper. You did me wrong. I remember it. Even if I smiled at you, I remember it. I was like, uh-uh. The Lord said he cast your stuff into the lake of forgiveness. I remember. But if you live that way, you fill yourself up with a bunch of negative energy, a bunch of negative stuff that doesn't allow you to produce what God wants you to produce. So you have to be careful. You have to make the decision that you're going to walk in love no matter what. Walking in love doesn't mean letting people push you over, though. I have to say that to people. It doesn't mean you let people mistreat you. It don't mean you let people uh, manipulate you or you let people bully you. Uh, there's nothing wrong with standing up for yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when that thing in your heart gets turned and it gets ugly and you start hoping something bad happened to them or, or you like, ooh, they're going to need me. And when they need me, I ain't going to be there for them. They're going to find it. They're going to see. And that lip start going like this and, and like that. And, and your eye get like, uh-huh. When you feel like that, you ain't in love anymore. You can test yourself. Here's how you test yourself. Ask yourself, would Jesus do that? If yourself said, man, we ain't got time to be talking about all that. <laughs> if yourself say to yourself, man, forget all that. That's Jesus. I ain't Jesus. You ain't in love no more. So you got to watch your love, right? 
And then number eight, last one, if you're going to prepare for a promotion, you got to choose to go God's way. you got to choose to go God's way. You have to choose to do it God's way. Even when another way looks faster, even when another way looks more successful, even when another way looks safer, even when another way looks more comfortable, you have to choose to do it God's way. There is nothing more distressing in the life of a person to want something, to have it available, and God say no. It is one of the most, if you've never, some people be like, well, yeah, I ain't never did that. I just went and got it. I know. But if you've ever wanted something and you, and, and you wanted it, you know you wanted it, and it was available for you and you knew you could get it, you knew you could have it, you knew you could access it, and God says, no, not right now. Or God says, no, not him. <laughs> no, not her. No, not that job. No, not that building. If you've ever had God tell you no when you wanted something and could get something, it is the most agonizing feeling in the world. Because a part of you says, we'll just go get it and see what happens. I ain't the only one. I ain't the only one. Just, just go do it and see what happens. Now, everybody close your eyes. But just, just, you ain't got to close your eyes. Just look forward. Don't look around. Anybody ever did that and want to be honest about it? Mm-hmm. Don't look around. Put your hand back down. All right. Y'all all say We've all done it. We've all been like, man, God said don't do that, but man, I'm, man, shoot. And that's how we do it. We rationalize it. We're like, man, I'm, man, I'm gone. <laughs> and you're going to, you do it. And then we do it. And let's say it work out for a little bit. It's like, oh, man. Whew. And then somewhere down the road, the wheels fall off that joker. And then the wheels don't fall off you in a ditch. Talking about, Lord, help me. If you just help me this one last time, God. I promise I won't never do it again. I won't ever be in this situation no more. I done learned God. And what does God do? He comes. He pulls up out the pit. He put us back. And depending on how bad the situation was, <laughs> after the pain done kind of shook off of you, the feeling of the trauma done kind of left you before you know it. <laughs> You right back over here again. But God is so faithful that if you call out to him again, he'll come right back and pick you up. He'll put you right back over here. And watch this. It ain't no starting me at waypoint. He put you right back where you were. Clean you off, love on you, and everything. And if you repeat that cycle a hundred times, He'll come get you a hundred times. But what I'm encouraging you is, instead of repeating the cycle, why don't you get a hundred steps ahead of where you could have been? Thank you, Lord. Take these eight things and learn how to prepare for the promotion that God has for you. Promotion is on its way. The Bible says it's already been recorded in heaven. So what's the holdup? The holdup is just we preparing for it. It's like a parent who goes and buy a car for their kid. Now they got to wait for the kid to take the test. And if you're like our kids, none of our kids thought they had to study for the driver's test. I'm not sure why. Even when we told them, you got to study for the driver's test. I'm good. I got it. Okay. I mean, I didn't sit. I didn't. Well, all of. I didn't sit down good before the, before they came back to me. Let's go. Yeah, you ain't passed, did you? Because you weren't prepared. And just because something looks easy doesn't mean it is easy. And there are some things in your life that may look easy that doesn't mean you don't have to prepare for them. But watch this. They prepared. They went back and took the test. They passed. They driving now. They're doing well now. But some of us in life, we keep doing the same thing with that driver's test. Pastor Sean keeps telling you you need to sign up for Soul Shift. You need to get your mind right. I keep telling you you need to need to read, read the word. Chris keeps telling you you need to worship. Sandra keeps telling you you need to pray. And you're like, I got it. I'm good. I'm cool. Hey, you can come hang out with us as long as you want to. We love to have you. But we're not stopping because you're not doing it. And what I would like to see is for all of us before the end of this year, 
find at least three areas in our life where we can say, here's a measurable result how God has promoted me. And I believe it's possible. Amen. Amen. This is going to be our best year yet. This is going to be our best year yet. Amen. And I'm telling you, every single thing God has promised, we're going to get a chance to see it. I love hearing the testimonies of healings. I love hearing the testimonies of people getting jobs. I had somebody come up to me the other day and they said, oh, Pastor Edwin, I just want to hug your neck. I was like, for what? They was like, they was like everything you told me, I did it and I got three job offers. Because they listened. There's a power in listening to what instruction is given, especially when it's given by somebody who can actually help you. You come and talk to me about medicine, I'm going to sing you to Sandra. Chandra, I don't know nothing about that. I can tell you about getting a job, though. I can tell you about how to prepare yourself. And so if you, but you got to be able to listen and do. Listen and do. Amen? Amen. I'm done. Come on, give the Lord some praise this morning.